Hey, how you doing? What's up? What's up? This is Lou Ford here, and it's time for Coffee in a Car Ride. I'm in my ride, I got my Java in hand, and I'm ready to cruise. So pour yourself a cup, jump in the passenger seat, and come for a ride. It's Coffee in a Car Ride. You fought well yesterday. Your style is unorthodox. Hey, what's up? What's up? What's up? This is Lou Ford here, back for another episode of Coffee and a Car Ride, a podcast where I drive around with a cup of coffee and rant about shit that pisses me off, you know, current events and all that. And for this episode, I am joined once again by my good friend Flavius Maximus. So, without further ado, let's jump right into this. Um, the topic that I know that we've kind of chosen to kind of um, discuss here uh, is, you know, kind of the relationship between white America and hip hop. You know, which, you know, which is, in many senses, I know white Americans are a huge consumer of hip hop. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you, you know, had anything you wanted to kind of like say to start this off, anything you would want to kind of like, you know, draw attention to, you know, whatever. The floor is yours, you know, of course. Okay, yeah, I'm Flavius Activist Maximus. Uh, glad to be joining the uh, car ride again. I do enjoy a good cup of coffee and conversation. Um, yeah, for me, I mean, the relationship between America, between white America and hip hop is an interesting one. There are some slight differences between the relationship between America and hip hop and white America and hip hop. Um, there's a lot of assumptions uh, that go on um, I mean, hopping right into it, um, you know, getting into what some consider controversy for a lot of folks, for a lot of white folks, their introduction to the N-word comes from hip hop. And I joke like, I joke that um, white folks think rappers invented the N-word, which I assure them they did not. Um, it was probably their great, 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 great grandparents who pretty much either invented it or helped uh, proliferate the word. Yeah. But for a lot of white Americans, it's their introduction to the word. So their whole lens comes from that. Yep. So there's this weird relationship where you either have people who feel like they want to be cool and they want to be able to use the word and they feel some resentment um, that they're not supposed to use it or you know they say you can use it you know why can't i and then you have some folks on the other end of the spectrum who are liberal who are so offended by the word that they don't want black people using it and they feel like they have some 
you know, some responsibility to tell black folks that they shouldn't be using it. But it's through the lens of, uh, of hip hop. I mean, folks, you know, might be, uh, might be surprised to hear that, um, you know, black folks have been using this word long before hip hop ever existed. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been, you know, I, I, I know that. Yeah. You, are you there? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. You're good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Good. I know you finished. I, I didn't want to interrupt you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're finished. Oh, okay. So yeah, it just wasn't something that um, white folks were privy to. And so, you know, years and years later, by the time they came, became privy to it, you know, the lens through which they saw it was a, a skewed, a skewed one, but that's, that's uh, that's part of the conversation of uh, white America's relationship to hip hop, and then also, you know, through a white medium like MTV, a lot of folks got their first view of hip hop. Mm-hmm. And for some folks who uh, didn't have any proximity to black folks, they got their first view of black folks. So again, it's a skewed view, and this is this is a medium that uh, you know David Bowie. Uh, famously challenged during uh, at least during one interview where he was asking where all the black folks on MTV and um, you know commercial white America always makes excuses whether there's not you know black faces in movies um, and even after the success of your Black Panthers and your Force Awakens uh, there are still all these excuses that are made that they're not going to be able to make money with black faces. They made those kind of excuses to Bowie, saying that people weren't weren't ready uh, to see black faces. Meanwhile, Michael, this was like what the '80s, and Michael Jackson was like the biggest entertainer on the planet, and even he couldn't get play on MTV. Eventually, he did, but this is the same medium that white Americans are using to form their views on uh, people and culture. And commerce doesn't always represent uh, culture so well. So that's my little introduction to, to, you know, white American hip hop. I do want to apologize because I do think it's, it's important um, to say, I know that that was a bad thing, you know, the, because I think you brought the important thing of the idea of the difference between America in general, their their relationship, as opposed to just white America, because I do think they both play a big role into it. Um, yeah. I apologize if we jump too, too if we jump too quickly into that, because I do think that was important to say. Um, you know, but uh, you know, I, and I also I also think it's interesting because I know the last time we spoke, one of the big aspects of the discussion that we had was basically Joe Rogan and the fact that along with the idea that he was pressed, that he was pushing conspiracy theories about the COVID-19 vaccine, one of the big other complaints was the fact that throughout his career, he had always been very open about dropping the N-word, mm-hmm. you know, not having any type of problem with it. And I do yeah. find that um, it, is, it is interesting that um, you know that for a genre that can be so heavily criticized and all that number one one of the biggest at least in terms of you could say gangster rap or whatever at least one of the biggest buyers of it are white are white people 
or like one mm-hmm. of the consumers of it. And it's, you know, and so it's kind of like, it's, it almost is, how can I put this? I guess kind of ironic. That's kind of like something that draws in so many people that yet are so critical of the artists and the people that make it and the culture and the kind of like the culture or where it's come, you know, kind of like where it's come from and use that to, to you, to make stereotypes and kind of make judgment calls on, you know, on something, yeah. you know, I, I do find that to be, you know, kind of ironic and all, you know, it's kind of sad and ironic because it's something where it's like, they're the biggest consumers, but yet at the same time, there's still, uh, it still is also used as an, as a way of kind of uh, painting a picture of, a broad with broad strokes of you know people in a certain community yeah so there's i mean there's a few things with that in the white community who's who's consuming buying and who's criticizing is it the same people i mean i'm sure there's overlap yeah so there are going to be people who are consuming it and still criticizing it and not understanding what they're consuming or understanding to a certain level. And then there's going to be, you know, either the parents of consumers or another generation who doesn't have the same uh, proximity uh, to it, who are going to be the the heavier criticizers of it. Yeah. Sometimes the worst criticism is when you don't understand the genre and your kids are consuming it. And, you know, it, it frankly scares you or confuses you. So that might be a heavy heavy uh source of criticism yeah that it, <laughs> uh what's it called it it uh i say it makes me um i hate to say it it reminds me a little bit of um there's this one uh, sorry i'm a fan of family guy there's one episode of uh-huh. family guy where they had this whole thing of where they're of where the family uh the griffins their son chris is is uh you know, as a teenager and he's becoming, and he's, you know, he's becoming, you know, I guess what's wrong. He's been more distant to the family. He's becoming more, mm-hmm. he's behave, more misbehaving. And when mm-hmm. his mom and his dad go into his room, they find a Wu-Tang Clan C, uh, CD and they're reading and they're reading the lyrics and kind of the joke is that the lyrics sound bad, but when they read the white interpretation for it, then, then it's kind of like a completely and totally different interpretation. Kind of like you can, so it's like something where it's like, it actually is positive, but, ha, but because of the slang, it sat, it almost sounded like this, you know, this really kind of like vile, you know, song, but then when they actually, when they actually had the interpretation for, you know, for white parents, for white people, it was, you know, it was this positive, you know, kind of this whole idea of this positive, you know, kind of, uh, you know, the, the meaning of the song was actually positive, but, uh, you know, but, um, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, but, um, uh, look, you know, I think I may have an idea what's causing his behavior, Peter. Look at all this stuff. Uh, listen to these lyrics. I rip it hardcore like porno flick bitches. I roll with groups of ghetto bastards with biscuits. Oh, look, they got a translation for white people. I give 110% when it comes to helping my community, even though I occasionally associate with some less than reputable characters. Yeah, I, I what's, the, what's the name of the creator of that again? Of what? Of what? Of, uh, of um, Family, oh, Family Guy? Guy? It was uh, Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. assume he, he must be. I wonder if that came from him being a fan 
uh, Wu-Tang or hip hop in general or something, or maybe the writers, but I, de I definitely want to see that episode. It sounds I'll, like a- I'll, 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 dig it, I'll dig it out because it's pretty, I guess it's pretty funny. It's, it's because at, at the end, at the end, it's what they do is, is that they also find the Marilyn Manson like a uh, poster mm -hmm. and they go and they confront Marilyn Manson and Marilyn Manson kind of like says like he gets this thing or he gets the same reactions from kids parents all the time and and, it, and he kind of like says you know have you ever thought about the idea that maybe you're not paying enough attention to your to your kids you know maybe the whole right. why they're acting out is because of this is not because of the music that they're listening to or, or what it is it's because you guys aren't dealing with your issues you know that's what's going yeah. on that's why you're that's why you're, that's why he's behaving this way it's not because of the music it's not because he's listening to me or you know or, or you know wu-tang or something like that it's because he's you know and that's you know so it's kind of interesting because it's kind of like he goes and it's like marilyn manson is like you know who's about you know you know i mean he's supposed to be like this whole like you know you know satanic you know kind of like you know mm -hmm. rocker is the one who, who actually is the voice of reason and it's kind of like you know along you know i'll find the episode for you because uh, i'm a huge fan of a family guy um do you remember is this an older episode it is an older episode yeah it okay. is an older one i don't i'll, I'll i can find it because it's because it's pretty you know i i, I will find it because i because it was it's a, it's a great episode but i just remember it was just it was very hilarious because because you go and they read you know they read the lyrics for the for the wu-tang and i i i don't remember if it was an actual wu-tang song or not i just know it was the wu i just know it was a wu-tang clan and then they have like you know again white interpretation for lyrics and then when you read it it turns it the interpretation is like completely and totally different you know and it's like this very positive kind of thing and it was just hilarious how it was kind of like they needed the interpretation in order for the parents to understand you know what was actually being said you know um right you know i i i i uh, i remember this is this this whole idea this is this when you when you told me this topic it was interesting because um I I still am, but I was oh, when I was younger, like much younger. I was a big fan of um of hip hop and um and but I guess I was like a mega fan. But a lot of, a lot of um I was criticized a lot for it, and so after a while, I kind of really like withdrew from it from it because even though I enjoyed it, you know, it, the idea that I I liked it and all that was not seen i was not seen very highly like by my, my grandparents my family and all that they kind of like the, the assumption was kind of made that i wanted to be black because i enjoyed okay. i enjoyed hip-hop and so after a while with the criticism and all that it was kind of like i stopped listening to it as much you know i, I pulled back but it was something that was like i yeah. really loved you know i loved like method man I loved, you know, I loved, the whole, you know, Wu-Tang, you know, uh, Ice Cube and all that. And it was like for a long time, like, I, you know, stay up late at night listening to listening to the songs and trying to memorize the lyrics because it was just something I was just like, I love doing it. And I do remember, yeah. and it was something that was kind of like, because it wasn't in, <laughs> this wasn't the nineties because it was something that wasn't seen, wasn't looked very highly upon in terms of like my family. And uh, it was something where it was kind of like, it was, you know, ostracized because, you know, I, took such a love you know of, of music um yeah so it was very interesting it, i mean like i said you know um i guess the question that i guess i wanted uh, to ask is is that um because i know in terms of this i know that there is always how can i put this do you think that there's a line between being a fan and loving the music and almost like how can i put it oh 
maybe this is not appropriation of kind of like of taking some of like you know taking some because i've heard people like accuse other you know like white people who love music of saying you know saying rap music saying like they're a wigger or they're you know or something like that you know kind of like making that comment you think that there's something that that there is a line between that when we're talking about the relationship in terms of that of you know of like you know of you know of you know of this of you know white america and i guess you know hip-hop I mean, first of all, it, uh, you know, it really sucks that you had to like stray away from your love of hip hop because, you know, your family was pulling you away from it. Um, I mean, I think a lot of kids go through that one way or another, because before you told me it was your folks and your grandparents, I was going to ask you where that pressure was coming from. Um, I think everyone faces that pressure from their parents one way or another. You know, yours might have been compounded by like the racial uh, aspects of it and, and identity aspects of it. Um, you know, certainly growing up, you know, I was accused of almost like idolizing, you know, musicians and hip hop stars having their posters mm -hmm. up and, and really uh, having love for the music. Um, and, and my love of music would expand for sure. But I think when you're growing up, you kind of uh, develop an identity with certain certain music. And um, I mean, to me, you know, music is, uh, is a pretty positive force uh, that's easily demonized and misunderstood. Um, what we were talking about earlier with people using music as a scapegoat mm -hmm. to me like we're in this world where we have fucked up shit going on whether it's like war poverty misogyny um you know domestic abuse all this stuff and families and politicians would rather focus on music than focus <laughs> on like the roots of the ills that we're facing as a society and um part of it i think is uh for lack of a better word, stupidity or um, or just misunderstanding. Part of it maybe is is almost laziness. Uh -huh. But uh, for instance, you know we have uh, Eric Adams is our new mayor. He's a black uh -huh. mayor, former cop, and he's yep. you know kind of famous for that. I think he's a couple steps backwards for us. Uh -huh. um, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm sure the powers that be would like to celebrate that he's a black leader. But, you know, I think that's just optics and bullshit to be mm -hmm. frank. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's been on this crusade and, and maybe he's calmed it down. Cause I know a lot of the rappers, including fat Joe mm -hmm. and uncle Murda and a bunch of drill rappers who I don't know their names because it's kind of younger music and I'm yeah, just yeah. not, into the genre enough to know them but people who know them know them but they had like a big conference and sat down and spoke with eric adams which i think was a good thing a cool yeah. thing but he was trying to basically the headline was ban drill rap which oh, oh i did hear something about that yeah yeah so so beyond the clickbait maybe what he was really trying to do was like limit it's uh limit its access on youtube or something like that right because you can't you know ban music even though uh someone was telling me that uh, giuliani had started 
started up the uh, cabaret laws again when he was around, basically ban banning dancing in certain areas, which I, I find hilarious. I kind of... Um, <laughs> so that's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's... In a way, it's great. I mean, it's hilariously stupid, yeah. but yeah. it also buys into this semi-ironic uh, party I was trying to start at one time called the Dance Party. Okay. So I think that's kind of kind of great, like you know, to to use dance as like a form of of protest and bringing light to issues. But obviously, you know, going against cabaret laws would be a big thing. But to yeah. me, it's like that version of that. Like, how are you going to ban music? It's just like, I, if, if anything, I think you're going to probably make it bigger and yep. more controversial. You make it, but, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, you're gonna say no. I was, I was gonna say you're gonna make it big, and you're gonna make it bigger, more controversial, and and more people are gonna seek it out because it's gonna be something that's gonna be like forbidden. So it's gonna be something that's yeah. not like you know, it's 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 gonna be like drugs or anything else. When you make something yeah. that's like not allowed, then people are gonna be yeah. selling on bootlegs. They're gonna be putting it over yep. here, and putting it over there. They'll be yeah. you know, they'll be finding a way to broadcast. They'll be finding a way. It'll be hidden. It'll be you know. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna do anything better, you know. If you if you're more willing to embrace it, work with it, and try to find a way to kind of, you know, make it come, you know, you know, you know, what I'm saying, you know, make it sit in that way. Then people, then it, you know, then it's it won't be as controversial. It won't, you know, it won't back it won't backfire. You know? Now the, tw the the twisted magic of this all is if he had been successful in doing this, imagine these drill artists who are really making street music and whatever you want to call it, if you want to call it violent or whatever. Mm. Now imagine you've lit a fire up under them and now they have a slightly political edge to them mm -hmm. because they're trying to fight, uh, you know, you're basically trying to censor them. So now they're trying to fight censorship and they're trying to fight for their ability to speak freely. That actually, Free, you free know, yep. yeah, that actually could have backfired beautifully. Oh yeah, that oh you can oh yeah that would that that could have that could have that could have gone to like the Supreme Court that could have gone like the court like all the way up it could have been like you know yeah something like that that would have like that could have been like really groundbreaking like something that would like we really you know could have potentially um you know I mean in all uh, in all seriousness it could have like gone you know and, and even if it didn't go to the Supreme Court just imagine that kind of energy yep. uh, amongst your base oh yeah who yep. is now really going to seek this out. Yep. And, you know, like these street kind of, kind of movements where you really like mobilize people, you know, kids sitting at home have having nothing to do are now excited talking to each other about how they're going to help proliferate this, this yep. music and stuff. But again, it's an example of, you know, in places where we have a lot going on, you know, whether it's COVID or, mm. you know, uh, poverty or lack of access to health care or rising costs. <laughs> <laughs> you, you want to waste your time fighting music. Now, the other thing that I know about mm -hmm. people who do this kind of music, they mm -hmm. often get out of uh, negative lifestyles and situations and pour themselves into creativity. Yep. And the more time they spend being creative, even if you don't like the content, yeah. the less time they spend doing nefarious things. Yep. They're making money through music. Yep. Uh, they're having a good time. They're they're uh, occupying their time. Yep. And you know, if you want to take these things away, it's just very short sighted. 
it's yeah with um, with any any type of creativity if you if you give somebody something that they know that they could you know either are uh, either as a hobby or they could actually make money doing then they're not going to go and do you know the other well the other activity or the, whatever it is you know whatever other things it is that could be hurtful or harmful if they have the creativity they can outpour it it's it, uh, it's gonna it's gonna be ten times more productive and better than than making it so that way they're not able to you know yeah. if you and the other thing I was gonna say is also is that if he had to, if this is that Adams had been successful at kind of at uh I guess banning you know drill wrapping or whatever it could have also been used by by other political forces as a way of, as a way of protest as a way of kind of like you know using it as a way to kind of like get into another another base another kind of like you know you know you know i mean using it as a way of for their you know for whatever agenda they had you know if you have something that's you know and you bring you know you can use that you know you can you know what i'm saying you know so it would have been could have backfired like you said beautifully it could have been yeah. uh, something that would have been very powerful as a political protest weapon and all kinds of stuff. You know, it would have been something that's, yeah. So, I, no, it's, uh, yeah, I no, I agree. I agree. I think, um, I think the last thing that we need is regardless of what type of music or whatever creativity it is, but in this case, talking about music, you know, yeah. I think it should be, I think it should be more or less kind of like pushed, like pushed as in like in the sense of like, um encouraged you know, yeah. you know getting more encouragement you know, that is only gonna, only does more only does more to improve it and make it so that way you know it's more beneficial if you're not you know, yeah. you, know you make it more beneficial to the to the to the to the, to the population it's only gonna do only gonna do better things it's not you know yeah. as opposed to I also found it interesting, you know, that we, you know, again, you know, talking about, because I know you brought up the idea of, um, uh, you know, of the racial, of the, um, of the racial, uh, you know, slur. And I guess, um, it's the question, you know, the, the question, because, all right, um, this I've always had is, is that I know I, I personally, don't I personally don't use the word period mm-hmm. you know and is and I I at the same time I don't really think it's my place to, to say whether or not you know black you know someone who's black should use it or not so I'm not offended mm-hmm. you know I'm not offended by it it's not my place but um but I was just the thing I was curious about you know are you still there uh yeah I'm still here okay um was that uh uh, how can I put this? Do you think that it's um, you think that I guess in terms of hearing it through the music, do you think that that isn't uh, how can I put this? For someone who is, who is not black, do you think that hearing hearing it in the music, do you think that that in some way, um, you think that uh, what am I trying to say here? Um. Uh, let's see. What am I trying to say here? Um, uh, my mind just went blank there. So what I was trying to get at here is to how I was trying to express it. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, is, is that um, 
have you heard have you heard people because i've i've heard i've heard i had one friend who basically kind of said he basically kind of said this is uh it was a white a white friend of mine who was was who was you know uh singing a rap song and he was he was dropping the n-word as as it was said in the song and kind of like when i kind of <laughs> when i kind of like and it's basically called him on him was like yo dude you know he was his response was that those are the lyrics so you know so i don't really you know so you know i'm not doing anything wrong i'm singing the lyrics there's nothing yeah. wrong with that i guess the question is 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 that um you know is, is that in terms of being able to enjoy the music and all that but knowing that it's you know, do you find that people have used that as an excuse to kind of like say, okay, it's okay for me to, to use the, you know, to use the, uh, the N word now, because, you know, I'm a fan of, you know, I'm a fan of this artist and, you know, or, you know, the fan of this genre and because this word is used so often, you know, and, you know, and I enjoy the music that it's all right for me now to, to kind of like just, you know, drop the N word at any time I want to, because, Hey, I like rap, you know, I, you know, I like hip hop, I, you know, so why, why is it wrong? You know, I mean, I guess, I guess more or less the question is that how do you think, how do you think it should be, I think um, in terms of, I guess, all right, in this case, white America, how do you think it should be kind of, I guess, expressed to where it's kind of made clear that it still is not okay to use the word, you know, it's not really like your place and you know, the music kind of says it, it it's not an excuse to necessarily you know just be able to feel free that because you're a fan of the music that now that this is a word that you're able to say whenever you want well i i think um the problem is that quote unquote majority people or privileged people are are basic yeah all right so so if you're white um to an extent you're going to be basic if you're a man if you're basic if you're a cis straight person of middle or upper uh class if you're a citizen if you're documented if you're an american you're going to be basic in a lot of ways mm -hmm. um that's just the reality so i mean people people should um get used to critical thinking and we should encourage that in this country and um, a lot of times people, we just don't either encourage like conversation or thinking things critically through. It's like the first thing that comes to your head is what you think, is what you say, and is what you argue and debate for, right? Uh -huh. So yeah, I mean, the context of singing your favorite song, um, you know, I mean, if you're singing it to yourself, or with your friends, that's going to be one thing. If you're singing it in public at karaoke, you might make some decisions how you want to sing it. Um, but once you bring it into conversation, then that's a different situation. And if you're going to use a song as an excuse, uh, you know, for for your speech or your actions, uh, that just leads to stupidity. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just like. The reality of the situation, you know, um, yeah. you know, if you take some Johnny Cash song where they're talking about some revenge against a woman or, or you know, killing someone, I mean, are you going to bring that into your everyday speech too because it's a song, or are you going to understand the context of the song? Yeah. So, you know, people people make excuses 
and yeah. they don't think uh, things through, and that's kind of the result. Um, yeah. But again, like when we're looking at like violence in drill mm-hmm. music, you know, I like to go back to like some of the roots. So like, I don't know. I mean, like a lot of this music maybe was coming out of places like Chicago, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, where did the violence start stemming from in Chicago when it became such like a violent city. A lot of it came from gentrification when people were pushed out of their neighborhoods and warring factions of people or pseudo gangs or whatever they called them were separated by geography. And when people were getting priced out of their neighborhoods and pushed into other neighborhoods they could afford, all of a sudden their, their neighbors were people that they had been warring with. Yep. And so they were no longer separated by neighborhoods or by like the West side or the East side or different um, separated parts of the city, but now they were on top of each other. And so, you know, no one's banning like gentrification or, or you know, seriously like looking at the effects of it or the causes of it or how much power we've given to uh, greedy developers. Um, and instead, we're looking at music. And so, you know, I mean, we're basically failing, you know, we're failing ourselves uh, that way. You yeah, know? I do agree. You know, again, it's, I, again, like you said, it seems, I mean, not, not to say, but it seems like a lot of it is, is kind of like this, you know, distraction. It reminds me of kind of like during the 90s when you had, um, before, before when they had CDs and tapes, when they didn't have the actual warning label on it or whatever, it reminds me of like how how they had like a lot of like the conservative Republicans who spent all this time when music started coming out, and they started saying, okay, we had to put warning labels on it because you know it's going to hurt our kids, and yeah. you know, and it was like, and it was just, and it's like that whole big kind of thing of like, you know, they it they weren't looking at the other aspects, you know, of what was going on in society that were kind of you know, change you know, that, that, that were more important that needed to be changed, you know, dealing with, you know, poverty or education or, all, or, you know, like you said, housing, healthcare, it was all about the fact that this song has a curse word in there. This song, excuse me, has, has motherfucker in it. And so mm-hmm. we now have to, we now have to, you know, either ban it or, you know, put a label on it and do all these different restrictions, but we're not going to spend the time to try to figure out how to, get people free health, you know, get people, you know, eat health care. So that way they can actually, you know, get, you know, if, if they're sick, get the med, get the actual medication or the care or, you know, or whatever it is that's needed or, you know, deal with mental health issues. So we don't have a, you know, so we can deal with the homeless population and not have to worry and then get more people to be productive citizens, cut down on the suicide rate you know do something to right. deal with you know addiction or you know or housing issues you know we're not gonna do that but we're gonna spend time trying to figure out how we can you know deal with a creative outlet that people right. use in order to kind of escape from you know and and yeah i mean you know i mean it's you know infrastructure we're not going to deal with infrastructure but we're going to spend all this time trying to find a way to kind of ban you know music so in that way we you know so in that way we can you know so because that's gonna cause more problems, not the fact that bridges are collapsing or the fact that you know our railroad system is falling to crap, you know, or something like yeah. that. Or, you know, we're gonna we're gonna ban music or you know, or movie, you know, or to a degree movies, depending, you know, I mean, whatever it is, but we're gonna do something 
gum it up, you know, because that's more important. That looks better. That looks like we're actually doing something as opposed to, you know, spending the time to put together a bill that's going to say, okay, everybody can get healthcare, you know, and a equal yeah. healthcare, good healthcare, you know, fine, you know, something like that, you know, you yeah. Know, that's, I, yeah, yeah you're right. We're spending time dealing with their, with their, um, you know, idiosyncrasies and their annoyances and things that got under their skin, like hearing curse words or yeah. music they didn't like, or in some cases, maybe movies or things like that. And, you know, in a world where, you know, maybe people were spending more and more time indoors glued to the TV, you know, uh, listening to music on, on headphones and, um, you know, eventually watching the internet you know, maybe that's where people's attention went when they were thinking of, mm-hmm. of what to, what to police. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, you know, the things that were wrong, people were kind of separated from depending on their class and uh, privilege and circumstance. So they didn't really have to see poverty mm. uh, so much or maybe see the actual effects of uh, neglect in a lot of neighborhoods and things like that, but they could still hear the music and still see the movies. So that's what they they focused on was like kind of the instant gratification of, uh, you know, policing their surroundings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, let me ask you, do you, do you think, um, do you think that to a degree, do you think that, and I, I, I don't know if, it, if it's the right answer, do you think that, kind of like banning or putting restrictions on the idea of gentrification or that? do you think that's that's that's, that's something that uh that's that maybe should be considered you know so, you know uh because i mean i think that it i think that the idea of gentrification does have some some serious negative effects you know on uh you know on a community and all that so you know do you think that that's something that's possibly there should be restrictions in terms of like laws or bills you know kind of to I think it, it. I think it would be a great way to uh, drum up support for for smarter growth and for um, trying to th- make things more uh, livable and affordable for people. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a ban gentrification um, campaign might be great, even if even if that's not something that could be done literally. Yeah, um, it might be a great way to drum up support, just like the idea of, you know, defund the police isn't literal, like people take it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's enough to rile people up and get people thinking about what's happening. So, yeah, for sure, a ban gentrification um, uh, campaign would be great. Yeah, now, let, me, sure. let me ask you this just off topic, just a little bit. Um, Wu Tang Clan. Ice Cube favorite. Oh, which which, which one of them? Yeah, which are, yeah, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. I was just wondering. Oh, uh, yeah, Wu yeah, Wu Tang's yeah, Wu Tang's my favorite for sure. If I was okay. going to think of a group that was my favorite, Wu Tang would be my favorite. I mean, Biggie's my favorite. Tupac is my favorite. Okay. Um, I definitely have li- liked a lot of Ice Cube stuff, especially going back, listening to it, f- forgetting how great. Uh, some of it, it was, was uh, you, for sure. Really, it was great. I, I, I love. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I still, I still have some of the old tapes. Actually, <laughs> I still, yeah. I still have some. Of the, well, I was just, I was just curious. Who? Okay, let me ask you this. 
because I do love favorite sounds corny and all that method man favorite Wu-Tang, favorite Wu-Tang Clan member my favorite Wu-Tang Clan member would be Ghostface Killer <laughs> um, yeah I mean Ghostface is uh, first of all he's got the most music out of any of them mm-hmm. and he's got mm-hmm. at least like five albums that are masterpieces mm-hmm. at least one that's a classic uh, many people would say at least two yeah. Um, but yeah, he's got an incredible uh, he's got an incredible ear and his gift is he can rap over everything. Yeah. I mean, I've heard him, I've heard him rap over a whole soul song where the lyrics weren't even taken out and he still sounded great, which you usually <laughs> wouldn't do. Right. You would usually try to get, get, a, get a soul loop and and do it. But he, he sounds great anyway. He's surprisingly very versatile um method man for sure i think in the beginning was kind of a, a favorite and the Takal album i loved a lot and Takal, uh you know to judgment day was was very good as well and then as he admits he kind of uh he kind of stretched himself thin doing a lot of projects either with red man or a lot of movies mm-hmm. and then was facing labels which were trying to hurry him up and and get him to meet unnatural deadlines where some of the material suffered but um i mean he's uh he shines on wu-tang forever i think yeah. his voice yeah. and his style that was like for a while that was like the pinnacle of his of his voice and style i think andre 3000 mentioned you can hear when a rapper falls in love with their voice and they understand like the power of their voice mm-hmm. that was like that time time for method man where his um where his style and like his cadence and delivery uh and just the way he was like eq'd by the engineers and the producers it was all like perfect Mm -hmm. um later on he would finally have a a resurgence where he started sounding great again and his style was like tightened up again uh later on so yeah method man's great for sure um and then there's you know, there's people like You God who are slept on, but he's got a couple of really great albums. One of them is called um, Keynote Speaker, which came out maybe like in the mid 2010s uh-huh. to late 2010s. And then he's got another one called Venom, which came out a few years ago. And those albums actually rival most Wu-Tang member albums. So even as like the, the person who was most slept on, uh-huh. um, he's great. And then Master Killer, you know, ha- has a great album called No Said Date, and then a, a few yeah. other ones that finally came out. He was the last one to come out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Inspector Deck uh, was always great on um, on verses and other people's songs. For whatever reason, his album was never his albums were never up to par. Uh, for one thing, RZA had the flood where he lost like uh, a ton of great beats and production. Mm-hmm. And that was right before Inspector Deck was supposed to come out. Yeah. So by the time he did come out, I think RZA didn't have the same like inspired vision that he had with like the original project. Um, and so to me, I've never actually maybe I finally heard an Inspector Deck album that was a lot better than other ones he uh, he had come out with. Mm-hmm. Maybe like uh, the last one that came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, um, what was I going to say? Uh, 
I also one of the things that um, I found, I guess, like the most in interesting was like the, in terms of like the when the Thirty Six Chamber album came out. I remember also seeing like the first like music videos that like the Wu Tang Clan put together, and it was like they had their own interesting style there too. But uh, Method Man, I remember like Method Man was my favorite for a while. The Cal was one of my favorite albums. Just his mm -hmm. voice. You know, a lot yeah. of stuff that he did, you know, the killer bees, you know, uh, you know all that. Um, yeah, it was a, um, uh, it was, some, uh, what was songs that they did? Um, it was Mary J. Blige. Is, uh, oh, all I need. Yes. All I need. Yes. 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 Yeah, he got a Grammy. Yes. He got a Grammy for that. Yeah. Yep. That was like one of my favorite. I was like one of my favorites. And, uh, you know, yeah, I just remember, um, that the other question I was at, which, uh, was it Ghostface that, had that problem with um what was the name of the uh the CEO who who uh who got um got in trouble because he basically raised the price of the AIDS medication that his company was was uh oh that was Martin Shkreli yes yes was he the one that somehow got the rights to like the to like some of like the Wu Tang Clan like uh albums or whatever and he was like uh, yeah it was yeah. once upon a time yeah in Shaolin it was an art it was an art album yeah. sold as one one piece of art and that was supposed to be showcased rather than sold uh commercially you know until a certain amount of years okay uh, yeah etc okay yeah yeah but those, those had a little back and forth uh with him that was uh that was pretty entertaining <laughs> he was like ghost was like had some teddy pendergrass playing behind <laughs> him and was kind of like kind of like a wrestling style like <laughs> you know kind of like taunting martin Shkreli and uh, yeah. vice versa yeah, yeah martin, that was martin, martin Shkreli got some like dudes that are supposed to be like thugs that were like standing like it behind him that in one of the videos or whatever that he made it was like this whole yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah from yeah. from wherever he's originally from or where his family's from yeah. i forget where eastern somewhere in eastern europe or or so yeah yeah some, yeah, yeah i just remember yeah okay yeah um i was uh what was i gonna say um did you watch the show did you watch the wu-tang saga the um the show that they had yeah i didn't get a chance to fully finish it uh uh my i one of the reasons why i got into kind of Hip hop and I guess like Wu Tang especially was that my dad's a film and video editor, and, oh, okay. and one of his friends, uh, who's from Staten Island or in the area, um, has not has um, was at one point working on some of the Wu Tang videos, uh, music okay. videos, and he actually like asked my dad to like just help him with some of the editing. And so, okay. and so that's how I kind of like started to kind of like get like more introduced and kind of like started like learning, like hearing more about it. You know, my, it was actually my dad initially who, who was kind of like, Hey, you know, here, you know, you know, listen to this, you know, check this out. It was, you know, my mom was, oh, okay. my dad was like, check this out. And so, okay. and, you know, and that's how I, that's how I, um, that's how I started learning about it. I watched some of the saga. I didn't get a chance to finish it. I want to watch more. Um, but yeah. I've watched other documentaries about the Wu-Tang talk, you know, kind of like talking about how, you know, like, uh, which I didn't know because, but I remember watching these two was how they used to put on the Kung Fu films on like the public act yeah. on like the public access channels. And that's how mm -hmm. they got the whole deal for like the Shaolin and like the, you know, the Wu-Tang and like 36 yeah. Chamber. Yeah. I remember all mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Cause the, the, yeah, I just remember it, 
Yeah, I just remember. I remember that. I just remember that from in terms of, especially because I lived in Philly in New York. I just remember that that was like in terms of like East Coast. Those were like the biggest guys that were around, and they were the ones that were kind of like, you know, that I, I don't know. They, from what I just remember, they were the ones that it, I got the they. I was drawn to them the most. You know, it was like you. Was, yeah. you know, like it was something I was just yeah, like. Yeah, they were know, certainly. They yeah. were certainly considered one of the biggest. East Coast influences, and it was a good example of uh, a time when when art and commerce kind of crossed paths. I mean, we were lucky enough in the early to mid '90s to get great music that was yeah. um, that had integrity, integrity music yeah. wise. Right? It wasn't just some like commercial. Yeah. Well, drip. Yeah. Um, well, it was actually real rapping too. Too. It wasn't, you know, like the, like the, like the, I, I find, I found that the older, the older hip hop and all that, it was lyrically and kind of like musically, it was, it was more, I find sophisticated, more kind of yeah. like had more meaning. I, I'm not saying that the music now, not, I'm not saying not as much, but I'm just saying, I find that if I'm going to, you know, listening to it, the older, you know, Wu Tang, Ice Cube, whatever, that had more, yeah. you know, that had more kind of, you know, integrity, had more kind of like feeling, had more meaning to it. It was more, yeah. you know, depth to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, that's totally true. And back then it was cool to be, um, to have like a depth of lyrics and a sophistication. Yeah. Um, so much so that when Jay Z first came out, I didn't like it. It was too <laughs> simple to me, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it took a while for me to like like him, and I think he developed more depth after a while too. Where yeah. even he had like some vulnerability into his music, and maybe some more storytelling and uh, more opening up into like what his life and, and reasoning was like. But in the beginning, it was just kind of like so so braggadocio stuff that just wasn't couldn't compare to the Nas's and the Wu Tang's or even the Biggies. And, and all of that for me. I couldn't. I could. I could never do P Diddy. Like I could never do. You know. I could never do. I could do Biggie. I couldn't do. You know. I mean, it was that. You know. But that was, uh, was kind of like. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of the next. That was kind of he kind of took it. P Diddy was like uh, what um, what glam rock was to rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? He took yep. it. He prettied it up. Made it commercial. Kind of sold it to the masses um, even with even with the stuff he was doing it still had some flair to it and later on you know by the early 2000s it just got really kind of vapid yeah 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 Um, yeah so even with some of diddy's commercial stuff that he did with mason stuff you listen to it it still got biggie verses on it Mm -hmm. and um even though initially I couldn't digest it, it was too sweet. A few years yeah. later, <laughs> for stuff that I could dance to, it was still yeah. good. It still yeah. had, it still had flavor to it. But eventually, you know, the music got pretty, pretty watered down and just uh, really commercialized. Yeah, it got yeah, it got yeah, it got really kind of. Um, I was just curious. Uh, also, as well, I was, I was um, in terms of in terms of that in terms. Of, of I guess hip hop and kind of its representation to others outside of, of the community. Do you, do you think um, you think that has done? Do you think has offered any type of like uh, good, meaningful kind of like way of kind of like uh, I guess making like I guess like white America uh, more 
in any way more familiar with, uh, you know, with, with, you know, with um, the black community in any way, you know, I've heard, you know, I've heard kind of mixed, you know, kind of some people, cause I know there's like a judgment call of like, Oh, it's, you know, rap is all just, you know, you know, booty and, you know, guns and drugs and this, that, and the other. And I've heard other people who kind of have said that, you know, it offers an interesting perspective, you know, like, you know, so I was just curious, do you think that it serves in any ways to kind of, you know, to kind of like get, you know, give some type of perspective to somebody outside of the, the culture or the community? Yeah. So, so the basic nature of, uh, white America, um, when you get outside of America, you get a different perspective, mm-hmm. right? So when you look at how hip hop is viewed in Europe, in Japan, and a lot of other countries, they they would get into what we would call dig, digging in the crates more. Okay. So instead of like the just the um, just the uh, just the stuff that's uh, been widely, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just the stuff that's been widely publicized, like whether it's gangster rap or whether it's criticized as violent or hypersexual, they got into a lot of other aspects of the culture. They got into the graffiti, the DJing, uh, okay. the break dancing, okay. and they got into the underground hip hop, which uh, was often intellectual. Interesting. Uh, was often um, focused on metaphors and concepts. Okay. Like when you look at Wu Tang, you look at a highly conceptualized group, right? With the yeah. whole Thirty Six Chambers, the whole Shaolin Wu Tang. So um, there were other life. It's like yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, there's know. a lot of there's a lot of metaphors, and um, there's a lot of like drawing parallels between different things, like the group CNN, mm-hmm. uh, Capone and Noriega. Yeah, yes. Um, which uh, Noriega famously has his own podcast, Drink Champs, uh, which is doing pretty well, which is under oh, a Diddy okay. umbrella, Revolt TV. Okay. Their group, CNN, was a play on, you know, CNN, like you watch the news mm-hmm. network, right? Yeah. But, but their CNN was, was you know, bringing news from like their neighborhoods oh, and um, okay. comparing okay. their neighborhoods to a war zone. Okay. So the first okay. album is called the war report okay so it's like cnn the yeah. war report and they compare much like iraq was nicknamed Chirac, uh they compare um parts of queens to uh uh where did where did we invade in the early 90s like the first the first big war in the early 90s we went into um was it we went into Kuwait? iraq Kuwait. Right, right. So there's a storm. There's a storm. Yeah. So they've got like Desert Storm references and they've got like Do they have uh, a Bosnian War too? Or do they have any No, no. No, they didn't they didn't have that, but um but parts of Queens, like they're from they're from like uh like what is it? Not Queensbridge, but he's from like a neighbor neighboring part of Queens, but they give it nicknames, right? Okay, like yeah, Wu-Tang okay, had yeah. Shaolin. Yes, yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah, had, yeah. They, they called, uh, you know, parts of Queens like, you know, Iraq or Kuwait oh, and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. You, you see a lot of these concepts in hip hop, but 
on, on the world stage, they were able to get into deeper, uh, you know, elements of our music. Um, okay. Being lazy Americans and uh, <laughs> where, where the radio, you know, brought us a lot of that great music up until like maybe 1998, which is like yeah. considered like the last great year of that great run that hip hop had from oh, like 93 or 92. Yeah, to, yeah. By the time you get to 98, um, you still have great stuff coming out from Outkast and maybe, you know, Big Pun and like a bunch of people. Oh, um, yeah, in 98. And then yeah. and then by the time you get later, then, then it starts getting commercialized. But yeah, as far as hip hop has been considered one of the most unifying forces in the world, uh, you see in Brazil and in other places, they're using it uh, in their community oh. and to express themselves. Some places where there's repressive governments, they're expressing themselves These through hip hop. Um, you know, some revolutionary, uh, you know, elements are using hip hop. So yeah, hip hop is is definitely different than the mainstream media has has kind of shown it to be. That's so, I, I remember yeah actually. Bringing that up, good. I, should, I I had a question for you, but also I, I do remember. Um, oh, what's that show that's on Netflix? Um, has um the comedian hot uh has oh what was it? Oh, I can't think of what. It, hold on, I'll find it. But um, oh, I can't remember what. Uh, I'll find it right now. But um, okay. I wonder like it's you know it's it's like one of like the you know like the new show you know like you know how they have like um. You know, like uh, last, you know, last week, you know, John Oliver. I can't remember yeah. which one it was mm-hmm. on uh, Netflix. Um, yeah. uh, but um, but he had a whole episode where he talks about how about how hip hop, like you said, has been one of the most unifying forces in like in on the glo- on on Earth to the you know in many senses. Now, like in China, it's been used to some varying degree, and like you know, uh, where else was it? Um, uh, Southeast Asia, they use it as a way of protesting. You know, they talk, you know, go, protesting government is a way of kind of like using it, you know, to communicate and like the protest. They're able to get it up on YouTube and get and get notice and national attention, you know, through, you know, by using it. How it's been, you know, it's been used as a very like useful way of being able to, you know, not only, to, not only a protest, you know, oppressive governments, but also kind of like um, gain attention. You know, kind of like get people to notice, you know, like what's going on, you know, like what's happening. Um, I also, in turn, in terms of, um, I was going to ask, like, um, uh, Japan, I did, it's, um, like, uh, I was going to ask, what's, uh, what, what exact genre was, I guess, in terms of like the rap was like Japanese, like the most, I guess, like, uh, interested in, like, what, you know, I know that, because I know it was big, and I remember hearing about that, but, I, you know, but I wasn't sure, like, were they more into graffiti, more into the DJing, I mean, like, what was it that kind of, like, really kind of, like, picked up in terms of, like, Japan, or, like, other part, you know, like, Europe, and all that, too. In, in other parts of the world, they definitely focus on the other elements of hip-hop more than we do, but I think, I think rap uh, itself is still, the biggest part of the hip hop culture wherever you go. Yeah. Um, I don't know how big graffiti is there. Um, I mean, I know, you know, I know DJs are pretty big in a
You all right? I lost you there for a sec. Okay. Got you. Got you. Okay. Yep. So got you. I know, I know uh, DJs are big in other parts of the world, but, you know, hip hop, uh, a lot of the under, underground stuff that, um, you know, stopped getting uh, radio play past uh, the 90s was still big. A lot of the 90s acts uh, found huge success. Groups like Onyx. Oh, Onyx. Uh, oh, my God. Groups like Onyx, once they mm-hmm. passed their prime, in the 90s we're still making great money touring in places uh from europe to yeah. uh asia and a lot of a lot of big groups were doing that and even some of the old school groups maybe even from the 80s mm-hmm. uh were still were still getting success so um artists were finding that um they felt more love across seas yeah um and that the that the big the big uh, acts from like the '90s and what people considered like real hip hop was getting a lot of love uh, overseas, even when they had been, you know, almost uh, forgotten or only had niche audiences here. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. That, it's, I did. You're, <laughs> I think you're right. I think Americans are way too lazy. I think we look too much at the um, at. Uh, um and the more kind of external kind of stuff you know uh, the, you know bringing up the idea of what you said kind of about the wu-tang you know it, i found um a lot of their stuff was a lot more like philosophical kind of you know, uh, yeah. you know i mean obviously it had the you know the a you know the chinese cinema kind of like uh influence you know to it but i just yeah. remember it being very you know kind of like i mean ice cube too you know kind of like you know today was a good day you know all those songs had a lot of like you know and also had a lot of, you know, um, I think retrospective kind of, you know, kind of very, um, it was a lot more than just noise. It was a lot more than just saying, you know, you know, I, uh, you know, I got money or this, that, you know, whatever. It was a lot more to it, you know, yeah. and some yeah, cases, sure. I think even deeper than some cases you could say even like, you know, you know, even, you know, rock and even rock at that time, too. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of other songs, a lot of other genres that more accepted that were, didn't necessarily, you know, kind of have those deep philosophical questions that, you know, that many, you know, aspects of hip hop, you know, in many senses, you know, had, um, mm-hmm. which I think is, is, I think is pretty indicative. But I think also think it's kind of a pretty sad, I guess, say kind of criticism you could say about America, the fact that we can't pick up on that. And I think that's probably due to our history to a degree and kind of the you know i think even in maybe even the institutionalized racism that we can't really figure it out and we can't really look yeah. at it um which i think um is, i guess i was curious how do you uh, how do you think um in your opinion what do you think is what, how do you think we can kind of i guess kind of keep that I guess like other styles of music kind of I guess alive and still kind of like going and fresh and all that. Um, you know, how do you, you know what do you think is the best way to kind of like I guess preserve you know some of that so that way it can still kind of like keep you know its essence and can still kind of grow, you know, and uh you know, but also also we can I guess I preserve the older stuff to kind of like hold you know hold on to and still kind of keep it relevant. Yeah, um, that's a good question. I mean, I think, um, you know, sometimes the other uh, the other mediums are good for that. You know, shows like, you know, the, the Wu-Tang saga are great. I mean, they had a, a great documentary, but now they have a, a, a dramatized show with like actors portraying them 
and uh, it's something that people can look forward to, you know, from episode to episode while learning a lot. And uh, it's dramatized, um, so it's not all historic, but it's a great way to to look at uh, what's happening there. So that's a good way. Another thing is just to encourage people to kind of dig, like, um, you know, where when I was growing up, maybe when you were growing up too, you know, uh, going to the record store, buying. What's going on here? Oh, it's got me on another one here. Um, okay. I see you on both. I see you on both. So you're good. So you can keep on going if you want to. We're good here. Okay. But I know you're saying so, the record store. Yeah. I mean, you know, we didn't just count on the radio um, to tell us what was good. Uh, we did a lot of digging and you know, whether it was different mediums from like hip hop magazines to just keeping your ears to the streets or having friends put you on to music. I mean, I, I got a lot of great stuff at the, at the record stores and um, I'd go there quite often and get a lot of good stuff. So I didn't have to just depend on what I was listening to on the radio. Now when people form opinions, a lot of it's just based on what they hear commercially and it's not a true representation of what's out there so in, encouraging people to do their digging now you okay right here keep on yep i don't know what um, is going on right now i'm not sure okay um so yeah we don't really we don't really have to depend on um we don't really have to depend on you know, uh, going to the record store anymore, you can find a lot of stuff on YouTube. Um, and even through some of the streaming sites, you can, you can find uh, a lot of music. So I just encourage people to dig and see, see what's, you know, see what's out there and try to, you know, even like if you're on YouTube, um, you click one song, you can like get a lot of different recommendations in the same vein. So you can like, learn about a lot of new stuff, but I always keep my ear open when I hear about something that sounds interesting or something, some stuff I may have missed some records, even back of the day, you know, I think I know like tons about hip hop, but every once in a while, I'll find something that I miss, mm -hmm. that I get to enjoy to listen to. Um, but, you know, those are a few ways. I also think just keeping the arts uh, funded is yeah. always, is always a great thing to do too. Um, and just encouraging people to like to dig into stuff you know like one thing hip-hop did was it kind of gave people appreciation for older music with all the 60s and 70s samples you know and you'll have artists like the rizza who will also um help put out stuff that shows where the original samples came from uh -huh. so people can to that stuff uh in its entirety um so that's like important too yeah okay um yeah. but it's a way to re it's a way to rediscover stuff you know like uh 
um, Rick James got a resurgence after MC Hammer sampled him. And he actually made more money off of being sampled than he made during his original uh, career when he created the original music. Um, so you know that. Okay, I didn't. Know. Yeah. Okay, it, yeah. the one thing I, the, the only thing I have, the only problem I have is, is I know you brought up like that. Yeah, the record store. That the only problem that I have is that I actually found that when I went to you know, the record store to you know to get the CDs and the tapes and all that, I found that I found more music outside of what I originally came to look for when I had to like go through and look through it by hand. I find that yeah. I'll kind of like with you know how to you know with how media is set up now it's kind of like when they when you make a request for one thing it's centered in on that one area so they don't necessarily give you the option to necessarily as much recommend as much something outside of it so you know like i suppose a record store where you could walk around and kind of like really like look and it was like you know something caught your eye you could go over that it could not be it can not in any way be any aspect part of what you originally were interested in but the fact that because you know it caught your eye you could walk over there when you know on youtube or any other you know streaming show or whatever it's usually you know okay you're interested in <laughs> you know uh you know uh bagpipes so here's some more bagpipe music for you you know here's some more bagpipe right. music for you and so it's not something yeah. necessarily because because it's all generated towards finding that one thing that that they know you have an interest in. So they're going to stick with that. I find uh, that's one yeah. thing I missed about the record store was is that how I learned more about other music was, you know, by the fact that I could walk around freely and just kind of like wander, and, you know, and go into an area, even if I didn't stay very long and see another album or see, you know, see something I could, you know, thereby, you know, check it out, you know, as opposed to, you know, you know, so, you know, I think that now um, in terms of, you know, uh funding the arts um i mean uh i guess question of i i find and maybe you find this kind of frustrating is that i find that for at least politically it seems like a lot of times the arts are seen as a joke and it and it seems like it doesn't really matter how much you could say it's in any way proven in any way shown that the arts are meaningful it doesn't seem to get the traction that I think it deserves. And so I, I was wondering, like in your opinion, do you, how, do you, how do you think that could be changed? Because I mean, I don't know any idea, you know, any way that it could be, but it seems like something that, that's, that is that important never seems to hold as much traction as, uh, you know, I don't know, again, you know, preventing socialism from taking over America. Um, you know so I mean? you're... There's a few things. I mean, I think it has to be done on a grassroots mm -hmm. level. Um, but I think we also have to appeal to people who have money okay. and uh, influence. Mm -hmm. So whether it's big artists from every genre, um, you know, I mean, there are, grass there are grassroots groups mm -hmm. who could reach out to uh, the RZA's of the world and the radio heads of the world and like um, people who have influence and, and money and help get them to not only not only uh, fund stuff with like some of these people who have like a lot of money, um, you know, some of these moguls, but also get them to get their their rich mogul friends to also 
help fund, but also most importantly, speak out mm-hmm. about keeping this stuff well funded and um, giving respect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, there has to be some there has to be some organizing done around it. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, it, in terms of, um, do you think that also we? I guess in terms of not only being able to hold on to it, not only just like, cause I know in schools I teach about rock. Do you think that we need to incorporate more, um, more education about, you know, genres like hip hop and other genres like that and where to kind of like keep it more in the forefront, you know, for, um, like I said, I know that like, you know, jazz, jazz gets taught, you know, in school, in schools a lot more, you know, like rock, you know, it gets taught, you know, when you go, when you go to music class, when you, even when you read history books, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, the Harlem Renaissance, they talk about, you know, jazz, yeah. and this, that, and the other, but when you go further on into more history, I, you don't really hear as much about, and rock, you know, more heavy metal and other more modern forms of rock as well, but you don't really hear that much about the idea of, you know, how hip hop or, or, you know, R&B or any other music genre like that really has played in, you know, any at played any had any effect in history or in anything at all in terms of like, you know, anything in our in our society, you know, when you, when you get further on into history. So, you know, um, but I guess I guess the question is, is that, you know, like incorporating that, you know, um, is what do you think is the best way to do that? Because I know that there are many people that would object also at the same time to it because um let's be real jazz songs are many jazz songs about that are about sex they're about drugs but they're not viewed the same way as i hate to say you know hip-hop is kind of viewed in terms of many you know in 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 culture and society and so i know that there are many you know parents on that who would be object to the idea of having their their kids taught about hip-hop music you know, in schools necessarily. So I guess the question is how exactly would we be able, you know, do you think that that could be kind of implemented? So that way, you know, the, you know, the importance of that genre can still be taught, you know, and, you know, and I guess the creativity and all that can still be, you know, kind of like, you know, kept, you know, I guess kept in history. So that way it's not forgotten. It's not kind of overlooked, you know, all those kind of things. That was a long um, kind of sorry. <laughs> that was kind yeah, of no problem. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, people yeah. uh, felt threatened by rock and roll when it came out. They yeah. certainly felt very threatened by jazz. Yeah. Um, you know, there was definitely always racial components to it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, first of all, there's much more to hip hop than even music. Yeah. Um, I think that needs to be that needs to be stressed. But there is a deep, uh, a deep, and 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 beautiful and relevant history to hip hop. The way it was created, um, out of struggle in this country, mm-hmm. you know, um, in the '70s, where a lot of people were struggling in New York City, mm-hmm. um, uh, and you know, the Bronx was burning and all of that. Um, and people who maybe didn't have access and money for instruments. Mm-hmm. figured out a way you know to use turntables and to use music uh and records that they had from the 60s and 70s and create this whole new genre by finding ways to like loop other records and and turn records into their own instruments i mean it's a really 
dope testament to to the way that uh, Black Americans in this country have always found a way to turn uh, nothing into something. Right. And there's a, there's a deep history and lesson there, um, which is great. And there's um, there's great writers like Michael Eric Dyson who writes very eloquently about um, you know, subject matter like uh, like Tupac Shakur in his in his writing. He's got a book called Holler If You Hear Me. Um, that was great that I read uh, you know back in the early two thousands. Um, but there's a there's a lot there's a lot of hip hop history to learn um, from you know the the intersection of punk and hip hop. Uh, in the 80s and how they kind of both had the same attitude, uh, the same kind of like um, outsiders, you know, FU attitude to the mainstream and the way that uh, the way that uh, the art scene in New York and, uh, and hip hop and punk kind of all intersected. There's a cool history there. Um, yeah. And I think people people would benefit from learning uh, about that stuff, whether whether learning about how some of it came out of the neglect that the, that the Bronx, places like the Bronx felt mm. and how that was like a microcosm of the neglect that poor neighborhoods uh, felt, you know, throughout the country and throughout the world. Um, there's a good history to be learned there. I, I, I agree, yeah, I agree. And uh, like I said, like you said, I think the whole idea of like being able to take, not have, not have the, you know, the money to get instruments or whatever. So having to use turntables and records in order to kind of like produce, make something that's completely and totally new. Yeah. You know, something that, you know, is innovative. And the fact that it comes, you know, the fact that there's, uh, you know, social undertone and also like, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because I've heard people, um, say that you know that like blondie that like blondie was like one of like the first like uh i guess like punk or kind of like rock artists to kind of like feature a rap in any of her songs mm -hmm. or whatever but it's very interesting yeah. like the idea of how in the early 80s there was very much that close that closest between punk and hip-hop yeah, you know, yeah. And, and you know kind of the idea that that a lot of punk you know in some way punk incorporated some of that and hip and hip-hop would incorporate some of punk as well and it was like you know that cross the intersection i don't think you know is really expressed enough for kind of like you know known you know to be you know to be there and the fact that the kind what influenced the music was kind of the social situation the social the social economic situation the racial situation that kind of like has resulted in what has created this whole genre you know of music that that has brought millions of people together, you know, and it's not, you know, that's just the U.S., but like you said, across the world, you know. And yeah, and there were definitely similarities between the music genres, between the fact that they were both seen as these loud, offensive oh. musical styles and whether people joke that punk artists didn't know how to play their instruments or <laughs> hip-hop artists uh, weren't using any instruments at all. Um, there were definitely some definitely some uh, similarities 
uh, there for sure. <laughs> I just remember I took a music class in school, and I just remember somebody saying how I can't remember which British punk band it was, but <laughs> I remember hearing them say how the artists were talking about how the songs they were playing was that hey, I only didn't know like four chords, and I was good. I could yep. play a concert, and it was like yeah, yeah. And, like you know, and people would mock that, but it was like some of like the you know the best bands, you know, only had to know a few you know in order to put something together, and it's you know it's innovative. The same thing with hip, you know, with hip hop, the idea of like I said, using a turntable scratching records you know using you know that to kind of create you know this whole new thing but yeah i remember yeah you that argument of like you know you don't know how to play or you don't have any instruments at all or you don't know how to play your instruments you know what are you doing right yeah. well, it's, yep. you know it's it's, it's uh, yeah i mean uh, i was gonna say i mean i don't know um i guess i will ask this i mean and i'm i'm white dude but i will ask this but you know um uh let's see how can I put how can I put it? It's right there on the tip of my tongue, and now I'm trying to figure that. Um uh, let's see. I guess okay, I'll ask this way. Maybe this yeah, I hope this isn't you know, well, I don't know if this is the right question to ask, but I will ask. What do you think that because I know again the the initial kind of like topic was kind of like the relationship of not only America, but I guess more importantly, white America and hip hop. What do you think that white America should take away from like hip hop? I mean, you know, I mean, besides being able to enjoy it, if we're going to talk about, you know, like whether it's historical or social economic or, you know, or, you know, a lot of the, the, the underlining, the underlying factors that kind of helped to create it and kind of, oh, what do you think that, what do you think that, I guess, like white America or people of privilege should take away from that genre that has kind of like, you know, that has stood for so long and has, you know, kind of like been in many ways a battle cry or not a battle cry, but something that has like kind of like unite people. I mean, I think keeping an open mind and trying to uh, get to know people without judging them is certainly a lesson uh, to be taken from it. And always trying to uh, find the beauty in new things, which may seem uh, a little strange or, you know, may seem even a little bit um, dangerous uh, is good. Um, one thing one thing that I thought about when I when I thought about this subject was, you know, I have a friend of mine who often says things that um, kind of give me pause and question a lot. Um, the way that white people think about hip hop is there's this assumption that um, if someone doesn't come from some kind of real or poor or dangerous background that what they're involved in somehow isn't authentic mm. right there's this weird mix of like people mix the streets up with hip-hop and you know somehow like a drake who was an actor or who came from a middle class you know somehow isn't yeah isn't <laughs> real, real hip-hop or as if you know, Will Smith wasn't involved early on in hip hop and was really um, uh, seminal in like uh, boycotting the Grammys back in the day for like the kind of disrespect that, that they had for hip hop. Yeah. In a lot of ways, there seems to be this misunderstanding that people think 
that hip hop has to be this like dangerous street element kind of thing. And where in some ways it started that way at the same time, in some ways it didn't. I mean, the guys from Run DMC were admittedly from like a middle-class upbringing in Hollis, Queens. And even though Queens is an interesting place because it's got a lot more places that look middle-class, but their proximity to street elements made things even more interesting because there would be middle-class people that still got swept up in, in, in street stuff uh, regardless of uh, how they grew up. Um, but yeah, for me, that was just like a misunderstanding. It was just like kind of a basic white guy kind of thing of, of uh, just like not understanding like, you know, hip hop isn't just like 50 cent or, or something <laughs> like that. There's like, there's just like a lot of, um, there's just a lot of different perspectives, but people have kind of narrowed their focus or their minds and like, you know, people say, oh, hip hop did this and that. And in the 90s, Biggie and Tupac died. And it's like, you know, I know about the background of like where this stuff happened. And, and like, you know, the Biggie and Tupac thing, you know, on the surface, people talk about the East and the West Coast war and rap, but, you know, these were street guys that they were, they were either involved with or mixed up with or even the guys that Tupac got shot by uh in New York I mean these were some heavy street people that mm-hmm. that were like notorious mm-hmm. um for you know doing bad things in the streets that even street people like you know didn't want to mess with some of these guys yeah yeah and that even Biggie warned Tupac against and and Biggie you know ended up getting like jumped and robbed when yep. they found out that uh, he warned uh, Tupac about this. So it's like, people don't know that history and they just see it as some kind of rap war. And it's um, it's very surface level, mm-hmm. you know? If anything, I could almost blame, I could almost blame Tupac's movie career uh, for getting in trouble with those guys because he was kind of a, um, uh, what do you call the kind of actor that like does like goes into like deep study to like get into character oh, and method, stuff like that? Yeah, he kind of like he kind oh, of yeah. was studying these guys, and there was a movie he did above the rim, mm. and um, and he was studying these guys for that role, and he kind of fell in with them, and I think he was enamored by them because some of them were very charismatic and he did ignore several warnings but mm. i don't think he would have gotten with those guys if it wasn't for his movie movie role so to blame it on you know blame it on hip-hop is kind of a kind of a, <clears throat> a lack of lack of understanding mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me sorry no yeah i um his issues should you bring you bring that up because i remember I don't know. I don't even know if it's true, but I just remember years back when I told somebody that I was like I was a fan of um of Ice Cube. They told they told me something about how Ice Cube like went to a private school. I have no idea if that was true. I never actually looked it up, but I remember that once I heard that for some reason this was like years back. I after for a while I stopped being a fan of this. 
because right. he go he went to a private school and it was a and for some reason I guess the idea of having that like you said and uh you know and I think it's you know many reasons why that we have that image but you know but mm-hmm. it was kind of like uh you know that destroyed the entire image you know yeah. um, and I, and I'll, I won't lie even even now to even now today uh how can I put this I still fall into that. It, even how can I put that in the sense of like not so much? I say, like one of uh, one of the places where I work, the younger mm-hmm. younger white younger white kids there. And one of them I know is middle class, and I catch, and I hear them, you know, singing gangster rap. There's a part of me that's kind of like you're like you you're you're an idiot. You're middle class. Your dad pays for your car, you know, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like and it's like it shouldn't matter. But in all actuality, hearing it kind of like almost feels like it's corny. It's kind of like you know, and it's like wait, you saying you saying he d- he does this kind of music or he listens? No, 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 no. He listens to it. Like he listens okay. to it. Like, I hear him singing it and all that, and it's kind of like, oh, it's like it shouldn't matter. But I know that just you know that it's like I myself catch myself at times doing that, where it's kind of like you're corny, dude. You know, like why you you know you're not you know your dad pays for your car. Like you know you right. you, you know you have a nice car. Your dad pay, you know, and it's kind of it shouldn't matter. But I just yeah. think, I, I think that. In reality, you know, I've grown up, I have to a degree, even though I know that there are many rap groups, you know, like the Beastie Boys and this and other, which I was a fan of, you know, and Will Smith and all that, who weren't in any way gangster. There still is like this idea, I think, like you said, that Pat, that has, is kind of saturated, of, you know, like our culture, where it's kind of like, unlike rock or anything else. I mean, rock to a degree, I think, but not completely, right. you know, whereas right. kind of like, you know, if you're in this music, there's a lifestyle that you're going to follow. You know, it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of like this idea of like, okay, if you're a rocker and you're really a hardcore rocker, then you're going to, you know, drink whiskey and, you know, all this on that beat your body to a pulp, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, and just destroy yourself. And if you're, you know, yeah. if you're into rap, you're going to, you know, sell drugs and carry a gun and this, that, and the other. And that's not necessarily the case. And I think it's yeah. sad that it's kind of, that that's kind of you know and i have to admit i've fallen into it where you know where it's kind of that's where you know that perception kind of goes to you know that idea of it kind of being you know you know that you know and i don't know exactly how you can carry that about you know i'm not sure how you think you know how you believe that 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 could kind of change around so it could be more about the idea of the artistry as opposed to you know what in terms of the person or the you know the what's underneath what's underneath it yeah, I mean, some of that, a lot of that was perpetuated, uh, you know, whether it was through marketing. I mean, I think in the beginning, you know, some of it was just natural. It was the kind of people, you know, I mean, to be honest, it was people, the people who had money often had money from street activities and they either a wanted to get out of it mm-hmm. or they wanted to help their friends who they thought were talented yeah who they didn't want to be in the streets yeah yeah right like even even um you god from wu-tang mm-hmm. actually helped method man out a lot um mm-hmm. if you're into wu-tang you should read uh read you god's book oh okay it's, uh, it's pretty incredible oh um, i'll check it oh tell me yeah let me know what it is yeah, this is okay. the this oh, is nice. the name of the book okay right cool. here it's a pretty incredible book but um you God was closest to Method Man. Okay. And uh, he literally stepped up his game 
in the streets to keep Method Man out of the streets. Ah, and he would say no. That. He would say no, like, get out of here. You're not selling drugs. Take this money and go straight to the studio. Okay. So he okay. actually he actually takes some credit for Method Man getting more serious wow. with his artistry and actually, okay. you know, uh, you know, grinding and, and getting in the studio. Yeah. But that kind of thing, I think, happened a lot. So people kind of mistake like, mm -hmm. you know, street life for like hip hop music. Yeah. And as as uh, gangster music became the prominent hip hop music, there was that confusion. And I think even the artists themselves, you know, they developed phrases like keeping it real. And they kind of like put down other people who they knew weren't really street people trying to portray something. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of gray area because it's like, if you're really going to take your music seriously, you have to get out of the streets. Yeah. Uh, but some people are just poets who either exaggerate or talk about what they see and yeah. maybe talk about it from the first person perspective, even if they were never involved. Mm -hmm. And some people are just like painting abstract pictures and they don't, I mean, to them, you know, they're, they're good at rapping and it's a fun thing maybe to rap about. And there's varying degrees of proximity to this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so to some, some people in the streets, some people were just very ignorant and perpetuating this idea that you had to be like a criminal and a rapper at the same time and would look down on you if you weren't. And some yeah. people were like, that's not what it's about. So there's just like a lot of confusion and varying degrees of perspective on it. And then some people were, were unfortunate enough not to get out of the streets and also suffered for that and also ruined uh, either lives or, or their career or both because they couldn't leave street stuff alone, even true, even if they were talented. That's true. Yeah, I, mean, I I just I just think it's sad that uh, you know that's even like when you talk about like rock and roll or something like that, you can have you know um you know you can have uh, excuse me, you can have uh, what am I trying to say? You can have musicians or you know or singers who could be heroin acts who spend you know all day long shooting up and this that, and the other and they're still and that behavior is more glamorized than somebody who can rap you know i mean i mean okay yeah uh but anyway uh like you know like you could have like someone like a keith richards or someone like that or so you know who was a heroin act or something you know or um corny love you know, heroin act, you know, sure she was demonized, but, you know, but still more, more, uh, is she still alive? More, more I, I think, I, I don't know. If she, I know she got clean for a while. I don't know if she's now, I don't know if she's, you know, I mean, she's talented. I know she got clean. I don't know if she still is clean or not, but I know that she got clean and, um, but she's still alive though, right? Courtney I Love? think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. She 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 hasn't done anything in a while. After she got clean, she was in she was in like one movie or something like that. I mean, she I mean she got a lot of praise for her, for her, you know, for like her ability and like her abilities, you know, when she was in that. But um I think she's still alive and I don't think she's done anything, you know, now I think, you know, she's I think she's kind of, you know, whatever. I think it's too old, you know, just kind of like not, you know, not not no, not able to do it anymore, whatever. But you know, but I just know that like someone like 
like Courtney Love or, you know, Kurt Cobain or Keith Richards, someone who, you know, could be a straight up heroin act, you know, shooting up all the time. They be, they're more praised to a degree, despite their behavior, than someone who, you know, raps and, they, you know, and, and it's kind of like, may not even be involved in the lifestyle, but it's kind of like the idea of like, the lifestyle, in terms of even the lifestyle, the lifestyle of a rocker, you know, being a heroin act and, you know, doing, you know, or doing this or doing that or drugs is, is more kind of like seen in our culture as being like a good thing as opposed to somebody who, you know, who, you know, who may have, you know, who is in hip hop or something like that. You know, I know that there still is some of that idea of like, this, this is okay, but this is still kind of villain, you know, kind of seen as being villainized and still kind of seen as being something that is still beneath. But someone who, <laughs> someone who's beat their body up so badly that they now need a defibrillator on stage to make sure they don't die when they go on concert because yeah. they spend half their life destroying their body, you know, he's great, you know, he's awesome, you know, it's, you know, but, you know, but we're not you know, we're not going to, you know, celebrate hip hop, in, you know, at the Grammys or the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, until more recently to a degree, you know, those kind of things, you know, the behavior, you know, all that. It's just, it's sad that the lifestyle, regardless of how destructive it is, you know, one's taken as being better than the other. Now, yeah. I've noticed that, you know, it's kind of like that idea. Sometimes it's almost like the less, uh, notice you get from the mainstream the more pure mm -hmm. and beautiful the music is you yeah know? yeah so that's kind of like the other side of it you know that's true yeah that's true that's very yeah. true you know um yeah i don't know um let me see what else is i gonna say um oh, that's interesting uh let me ask okay let me ask you this preference i know a little off topic but it's, i'm just curious preference east coast west coast what's your more kind of like your thing when I was younger, I certainly had a stronger preference for East Coast at one time. Okay. And there was even pressure uh, to not like really embrace the West Coast stuff. I remember being in college and I remember uh, buying this album. I think it was called, I don't know if it was called The Show or what it was called, but it had a bunch of West Coast stuff on it. Mm -hmm. which I didn't know it was going to have. And some of it I wasn't really into. And I just remember, you know, a guy that would kind of hang around just kind of like scrunching up his face saying, you listen to all this West Coast stuff. Um, I do remember passing up, passing up the loonies who at that time, you know, I got five on it was a big song, but not really. I remember passing up their album. And just recently, you know, I finally went back to it and listen to a lot of good stuff they had but you know unless it was unless it was like snoop or dr dre or some of the big people i didn't delve into the west coast stuff as much but um i certainly uh there's a lot of west coast stuff that i do like and there's a difference in the music there they get more into instrumentation and they get more into funk and uh, when it's tight, it's done very well. And yeah. it's got like some more layers. And um, it's, it's some of it's got more depth uh, to it musically, like some of the some of the Dr. Dre and Snoop stuff. Right. Um, and, you know, Dr. Dre's got a great ear and so does Daz. And uh, they'll have session musicians 
uh, replaying bass lines instead of like instead of using a loop mm -hmm. or whatever. So it gives it a different sound where you're actually hearing like a fat bass line and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, as far as preference, it's it's hard to say. I mean, some of my favorite stuff comes from both both coasts. It's, okay. uh, it gives you a different feeling for yeah, sure. Yeah. I think the West Coast stuff, some of it's a, a little funkier and happier and has more of a groove and, and can make you dance mm -hmm. and stuff. And then some of the East Coast stuff is just incredible too, which is what they say about Biggie is kind of bridged both of those worlds a little bit because he kind of took from some of the West Coast elements, which it took me a while to realize that that's what I was hearing. I just thought I was hearing something something new and great. And it took me a while to realize that he, that some of their production, you know, took some of the elements of the West Coast, mm -hmm. which was maybe why he ended up being such a big artist was he kind of, you know, bridged, bridged some of those gaps. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think Biggie's stuff was, even though it was definitely East Coast, it was different than, than what you heard from the East Coast. I think that was kind of like what made it so, uh, you know, so interesting and able to kind of, you know, get a fan base on the West Coast too. Uh, yeah. I noticed it was. Yeah, songs like, songs like Big Papa in particular yeah. and stuff like that, if you listen to it, it's kind of got that, you know, it's kind of got that early, like almost G-Funk yeah. kind of feel to it, you know? Yep, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. And he, and he gave props to Snoop and stuff on some of those albums. Yeah, you know? but the most definitely, yeah, you can, you can, you feel the same kind of, um, the same kind of, uh, what was I trying to say, you know, rhythm and the same kind of like, I guess, more upbeat kind of like, you know, like you said, funk kind of like, you know, yeah, yeah um, compared to like the Wu-Tang, you know, or, or something right. like that. Yeah, was, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was a completely and totally different feel to compare yeah. it to. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely, definitely, completely, totally different. Um, you know, feel to it. Yeah, uh, yeah. If I'm, I like, I like both. You know, in fact, in fact, one of the <laughs> sounds really bad. Uh, one of the uh, it was actually pretty hilarious because I now wish I had grabbed it because I saw it and it caught my eye when I used to. I used to go to the mall all the time and I would spend all my time like just going through like the, you know, uh, what was the, um, you know, the record stores, or whatever. But I remember <laughs> finding one, <laughs> one album and it was by this, cause you'd always, you go in there and you go in and you'd find all like the well-known artists, but then you'd find like a bunch of like, no name dudes that were just like you know that were just you know like you'd find all the CDs of like no name dudes that like you had never heard of before and never had any mm -hmm. idea existed, but they're all their albums were just in were just like in the aisles, mm -hmm. you know. And you know, I remember actually finding a group of that was like rappers from like uh, the it was supposed to be like uh, I guess like the Apache tribe. And it was supposed to be like oh. Apache boys, and I remember yeah. looking at it and I almost wanted to get it, and I was like nah because i was i was like a kid and i was like if my mom finds this she's gonna kill me but i remember right, right. kind of looking at it and being like this is something i have not seen before i do you mm. know like you know and i just remember but i just remember you know like seeing you know i just remember seeing that was just larry she's you know it's just kind of like that you know i wondered you know like uh yeah i wondered like what it, you know like what it would sound like what it would have sounded like like what would you know like what it had been you know it, it, you know it was yeah it was interesting you know um yeah. 
but uh, yeah, I've always been more. I, I, besides Wu Tang, I think I've been more actually of a West. I get, I should say, I, I'll correct that. I think besides Wu Tang, I should probably say I was more of a West Coast. I think I was really big with Wu Tang, but then a lot of the other stuff I was more into was more like, you know, Snoop or, uh, you know, or uh, Ice Cube. You know, it was it was mm-hmm. for a while. The two big, the two big ones were Snoop and and uh, not Snoop, um, Ice Cube and and uh, uh and uh, Wu Tang. Yeah, yeah. You know those. You know those. You know those two. I, I was just curious. When did you think did you ever get into? Did you ever get into like Outcast at all, or Scarface, or anybody like that? Scarface a little bit, um, mm-hmm. a little bit. NWA, you know, NWA, you know, like I like some of their stuff too. You know, like, mm-hmm. like Dr. Dre's some Snoop after a while, even though he was good, there were certain parts of it that for me just like, it just didn't really work as well for some yeah. reason. It was like the Wu-Tang, especially like the old, like what you kind of like call classic or like the, the Cal mm-hmm. album or Three Six Chamber or some of like the later yeah. ones they did as a group. You know, um, you know. Did those, you ever get those, into Did you ever get into Outcast at all? Outcast, I got into some. Yeah, I did get into some. The food, you know, that I got into some of that. Uh, I got into that. The Be- um, Beastie Boys for a little bit. Like there were some. Wait, what? There. What was the one you said before Beastie Boys? Uh, Outcast. No, I got into Out- uh, the Outcast. Oh. Uh, Outcast, okay. I did too. Yeah, Outcast, I did. Okay. You know, um. Yeah, but like I said, it was back and forth. It was kind of like you know back and forth, and um, the Beastie Boys a little bit. House, I hate. I'm embarrassed to say this, and it sounds really bad. House of Pain too, but then even but well, they it, were good. They were good for a little bit. Yeah, yeah they, they were, were good. good. Yeah, they, they were, were. They were interesting because they really embraced like the Irish thing, and they yeah, made a yeah. thing. Yeah, it and it was like it was authentic and different. You know. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. It was. It was. It, it was interesting because it was kind of like they were hardcore but it was like at the same time it was kind of like they were irish hardcore she didn't really know what to make of it it was <laughs> it was kind of fun yeah. i should, yeah but i just I remember i just remember he, watching movie heat and hearing their movie and the, uh, hearing their song jump around in the background of, of the movie heat and that was okay. i knew that it was kind of like they were kind of like cemented to some degree into caught into pot into pop culture because their song yeah. was kind of being used you know, in a Michael Mann movie. So it was kind of like, you know, um what about uh what about Bone? What about Bone Thugs and Harmony? Oh yeah. I was a bit for for a little while I was I was into them and then after a while, like I said, like I said, I found that the constant was always like I said, Wu Tang, but there was a lot of like other groups that was kind of like in and out. So like I'd weave into it for a little bit and I was like, okay. And I was like, no, I didn't like this anymore. Weave out. And I would go back and then would be like, okay, go back. And it was like for a while, I was like, Ice Cube was great for a while. Then Ice Cube was out. Then it was kind of like, you know, so it was a lot of like weaving and kind of like, you know, it depended, you know, Big E for a little while. And then it was like, nah. And it was just kind of like, you know, so it, it yeah. Yeah. So, but it was, you know, like, um, well, who else? Uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was just kind of like, but I think for, it was weird because it was like, besides Wu-Tang, a lot of the other what East Coast stuff just didn't really hold, you know, didn't really, just didn't really, hold. for a while, the, the, for a little bit, a little bit of the black, uh, the, uh, what was that Philly group? Um, uh, the black, uh, there was one Philly the group. The Roots? Yeah, the Roots, the yes, roots. the Roots, yes, the Roots, they were great, yes, I was a big fan of the Roots, yes, they were great too, yeah. Yep, they were great as well. Yep, and um, yeah, but yeah, just um, I know it was it was interesting. I um, I think I think what kind of 
uh, how can I put this? Um, I think what kind of sucked was, was the fact that, um, that there was, and I think a lot of people I'm sure find this is that I didn't really feel like I found much of acceptance in terms of liking it. And so I think that, you know, it did kind of like, you know, I think stifle me the fact that, you know, that, uh, that it was seen as being something that, um, it wasn't my place, you know, so it was something that was kind of, you know, and it's, and, you know, I think, and I think to a degree, um, not that, you know, I think to a degree, I, you know, I still, you know, there's a part of me that still is very much like that. There's something that's very much that's still kind of like instilled in, you know, in, you know, like in me to a degree of like something that's like, how can I put it? Um, okay. Um, I like, I like, uh, I'm a fan of the, uh, of the, um, the group um, tribe called red. You ever heard of the tribe, uh, tribe called red? I don't know if I've heard of them. I've heard okay. of tribe called quest. But... Yeah. 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 They, yeah. They got their, they got their name from the tribe called quest, but they do okay. the same kind of deal, but they use a lot of native American beats. Like they use. A lot oh, of that's, beats. that sounds familiar. Yes. I don't, I don't yeah. know them, but now that you say that, yeah, that does sound familiar. Yeah. And, um, but like, you know, like, but like, you know, like now, like even now, this is, this is my own, this is my own hangups, whatever. But I find it interesting that it's kind of like, I like them, but it's something that's almost like I've seen as being like, almost like a little bit of like a guilty pleasure. But, yeah. uh, you know, it was like, it was something where I would never, I would never make an inst- an Instagram post with, with me lip syncing to one of their, to, you know, or lip syncing or kind of like, you know, like dance, you know, dance or anything at all, any capacity to one of their songs. Mm-hmm. Like I see, you know, housewives do to, you know, to, to rap songs or something like that, right. you know, because it right. just doesn't feel like it's my, you know, my place. I think that because I, I think that because of the idea of kind of being told that, you know, this sounds corny, but maybe that, you know, that liking rap wasn't the right, the best thing for me to do kind of like had, it has instilled the idea of something where it's, you know, I don't know, it, it, yeah, maybe I don't know how to put it, but you know what I'm saying? But it's just kind of like, it, 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 it kind of destroyed it and kind of made it to be something where it's kind of like, it's not your thing, not your thing. So don't, don't, you know, so don't mess with it, you know, kind of idea. You know, and yeah. I, and um, I guess the question I have for you is that how do you think that how do you think that some way that could be changed in terms of art so that way other everyone people can enjoy hip hop and it's not seen as something that as as much um, has to be divided. I mean, um, you know, at some point, I think people should just be able to explore mm-hmm. and um, listen to what they want to listen to because there's a lot of great music out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, I know Black folks who are into like hardcore music and are into different scenes and some of them, you know, dress up like people do in those scenes. And, um, you know, I think at the basic level, even if you're not, even if you think there's some appropriation with dressing up a certain way or, or what have you, you should be able to listen to whatever you want to listen to. Cause there's a lot of great stuff out there, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a form of like learning about other stuff and about other cultures. And um, yeah, you should be able to listen to it without feeling like some level of appropriation. And yeah. it's just, um, it's very yeah. limiting if, you, if yeah. you can't do that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I can't imagine um, what my life would be like if I had only listened to like, 
you know, hip hop and soul music and hadn't hadn't yeah. gotten into, you know, any classic rock stuff or indie rock or or any other any other music that's not traditionally, you know, um, you know, performed by black artists. It, it would just yeah. be a different it would be a different um, limited world for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, and, then, and then vice versa, vice versa for, for hip hop artists, you know, I mean, you know, whether it's like Beastie Boys or like House of Pain or like Rick Rubin or like uh, The Alchemist or... Um, the Alchemist. Yeah, or like, you know, even like Eminem or R.A. The Rugged Man or any of the any of the dope um, artists who have gotten involved uh, at some level, um, you know, different cultures have, have been involved in the music. As long as there's like a mutual love uh, for the music, it should be like experienced, you know? I agree. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's, yeah. I think, I think, uh, I think that's, um, I think it needs to be, like, like I said, I think just like jazz or rock, I think it needs to be taught more. I think if it's taught more, you know, um, not so much, again, about the lyrics or, not, you know, or some of, you know, but taught, you know, just the idea, you know, like, you know, just the history of it, how it came, where it came from, well, everything that has kind of culminated into it, everything like you said behind it, that, you know, if it's taught more in school, if it's taught more in arts, if it's, you know, something that's more, embraced and brought in in some way like like the history of rock you know like elvis you know if you bring in you know, speaking of speaking of which mm -hmm. like on top of uh on top of teaching um you know whether they're like teaching piano or drums or any of the other instruments like band they teach in school it would be cool if they brought in like you know drum machines and like oh, had kids, awesome had kids working on like whatever the top like drum machines of the day were that are like actually being used in production mm -hmm. that would be pretty cool because it's just like it's just a form of expanding and piquing people's interest yeah. you find that like kids you know when kids are working on something that they're interested in whether it's like video games or whether it's music or sports they can put a lot of like passion and attention into it mm -hmm. and they can actually uh, excel. So it'd be interesting if they started doing that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think what's uh, um, called, um, I actually agree. It's also, it's also, um, you know, it's, it's one way of also in terms of like instruments sometimes can be harder and the drum machine, I've, at least I've been told that sometimes it's a little bit easier in order to create, you know, like beats and make mm -hmm. things that will bring and introduces the idea of being able to create music easier without having to, you know, in some cases deal with the frustration of trying to learn all the different chords and this and you know, that's another way of being able to create, you know, music. And, you know, so I think it'd be, it's, yeah, it'd be something that works. It's something that, you know, it's another way of doing it. Like you said, it's one more, one more innovative way of being able to express yourself. And, you know, so I think. Uh, and, it's, and it's collaborative too, right? Yeah, because is, yeah. you, have kids, you have kids in the school who are working with their instruments. So yep. then you have kids who are learning how to do studio yep. stuff or do production or, you know, uh, be engineers. I mean, you can have kids in the school collaborating exactly. together yeah. on projects, you know, like you, you got science fair projects and stuff. <laughs> you can have a studio, you can have studio projects and, you know, maybe even have schools like competing. That'd be awesome. Each other and just, um, just encouraging, 
you know, That's... more more trades and more more styles of uh, expression and learning. I mean, yeah, I mean, you have entire schools dedicated to classical, you know, scholarships and all dedicated to classical music and, you know, and all that, you know, so, you know, other forms, you know, of music are just as, you know, just artistry are just as important. So, you know, I think it should be brought in more, you know, it's, it, you know, hip hop is an, an American art form, you know, I mean, I, I mean, at least, I, mean, I don't know if you agree, but I mean, just like jazz, like, you know, rock, they all yeah. are, it should be, you know, it yeah. should be preserved in yeah. some way and it should be used, you know, and kind of kept. So, yeah. you know, I think, yeah, you know, I think that that would, uh, you know, that's, yeah, that's important. So. Is, is there anything else that you kind of like, uh, I, I know, you know, uh, anything else you wanted to kind of like bring up or to discuss or anything like that? I mean, I, I was, I, uh, you know, any other aspects of this topic that you kind of like wanted to kind of bring to the forefront? No, I mean, I think that was, no, I think we touched on a lot. I mean, it was definitely a good, a good yeah. uh, discussion, you know? I think, yeah, and, it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I appreciate like a lot about what you said about, you know, just, um, you know, what it was like growing up feeling, you know, pressure to like, you know, move away from from uh, a music you appreciated. I mean, I think that's like, uh, it's unfortunate, but it's like the reality. It's also interesting. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think we have to find more more creative ways to like encourage people to like explore you know music and art that they that they love you know without without those kind of restrictions yeah uh yeah i'd have to yeah it's um no thank you <laughs> and i really this was not a topic that you know as I, I don't know if i said it before i know that you brought this to you know that you know you brought this to my attention kind of like this discussion and you know the idea of having it so i do want to thank you i don't know if i said that in the beginning because this was a topic yeah. you brought to me that you wanted yeah. to discuss and i actually and i really appreciate because when you brought it to me i hadn't even thought about this you know about about discussing it in any way it was something that wasn't really in a you know, in any capacity, something that was really thinking about, you know, I've always thought a little bit more politically, not as much, you know, in terms of artistry um, wise, you know, like in terms of art, you know, music wise. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, I think it's, um, I, th I think to a degree, it's kind of, um, like I said about the whole pressure thing, I think it's, you know, um, I put a, uh, no, it's just a carrying over from, you know, from, I guess, I think from previous generations, you know, it's having, you know, having grandparents who kind of view, you know, who would, uh, not that they were, I would say, inherently bad people, but having grandparents who would say that, you know, uh, you know, make comments, you know, about, you know, 
about black people saying, oh, he's, you know, an asset to his race or that he's one of the good ones, you know, most Mm -hmm. definitely kind of like, you know, plays a role in how, you know, somebody who's younger, you know, kind of takes things in and kind of, you know, brings it in and, you know, and and enjoying music like that, but then kind of being, kind of being told that it's, you know, that now I'm wearing my pants too baggy and now I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. I have my head on backwards. I'm trying to be black, you know, most yeah. definitely is not something that, you know, helps in terms of, <laughs> you know, to explore your, uh, you know, your artistic or your creative side. Um, yeah. You know, and, and being I feel famous. like we could, I feel like we could have a part two to this because there's more, yeah. there's more to that pressure. I mean, you know, I was talking about, I felt that pressure too. There's mm-hmm. um, not only like race issues, but there's class issues generational issues yeah. you yeah. know because i mean a lot of a lot of black parents discourage their kids from listening to it for those similar reasons yeah to whether it was baggy clothes or or just um you know appearances and a lot of that stuff too yeah so. I, I find yeah i find that it's again i you're i think you're right there's also like the idea of like class of like you know oh you know you're you're above that you know i you know you live in the suburbs it's not just a question of like you said that and i think um i think in terms of you know the it is something that's a big thing in our culture and it's something that is you know a part of america and especially as being americans and because it's global you know that i think that needs to be taken more needs to be appreciated more it needs to be you know kind of uh looked at more seriously and is in the light of seriousness in terms of like its creativity and the pot you know positive or affects whatever it is that it's had you know on our society and i think that like you said there could be a part two because i think um this is again another example of uh, you know this is an example of of an art form that has a lot of underlying social political economic aspects that were there to help create it, you know, and help to kind yeah. of you know, make it to what it is. It's, you know, it was, you know, you know, it had, it has a purpose, you know, it's, you know, and it was done, you know, for, you know, you know, it's created out of those, out of those aspects. So I think mm-hmm. that, you know, but I mean, if you'd ever want to, I wouldn't mind doing, you know, having another, you know, discussion, you know, here, you know, yeah. you like hear more about that or have us both discuss that. I think it's something that's much more common than, uh, then I think many people would, you know, maybe would admit. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. So yeah. I think, yeah, so this is very in depth, very deep, and, uh, you know, you know, good conversation. Yeah, Hello. yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, um, is there anything else you want to say before we close up officially or? Uh, no, no, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Okay. Looking forward to part two. Oh, that'd be perfect, my friend. Perfect. Um, yeah. Again, this is Lou Ford, and I would like to thank you, Flavius Maximus, for my friend, uh, again, joining me for another awesome, great conversation, great, you know, uh, you know, um, discussion. And mm-hmm. with that, I will close up saying this is Lou Ford here saying put that in your coffee and drink it. Until the next time, peace. All right, peace. Thanks, boss. Thanks for listening. And in our next episode, we'll be, we will be finishing up our conversation with my friend James. What are your thoughts and uh, comments on, uh, on our discussion here? Do you think that the left needs their own version of the Proud Boys? Let me know. You can uh, tell me and catch me on Twitter at uh, Papa Homebound. Until next time.
as always, give credit where credit is due. The audio clips, the music by Family Guy, Cypress Hill, Insane Memberhood, and again, another special thank you to my, to my guest, Ladies As always, if you've enjoyed this episode of Call the Car, or Spotify, or wherever else you get then by all means, please, leave us a five-star rating, leave a review, show your support, show your love, until next time, this is Drew saying peace. Coffee in a Car Ride is brought to you by Anchor, the app that makes creating and distributing a podcast easy. And also by, of course, coffee. So uh, thanks for listening and all that. You know, uh, like, subscribe, you know, comment, whatever. And also don't forget to uh, check out my blog, White Bicycle Review. Is whitebicyclereview.blogspot.com. Check that out, you know, to get more, to get some articles about politics and uh, you know other issue, other current issues and all that. You know, check it out. And thank you again. Until next time, move forward.